Amen. Can we, we celebrate this morning? It's great. You can be seated. I hope that encouraged your heart. Man, I'm always ready. Like I could say amen and head out to the week after these worship sets. Uh, they encourage my heart so much. Today uh, we're going to begin to, I, we're going to put kind of a bow on this I Declare War series. And so if you've been with us through the first three weeks, we talked about declaring war on the version of ourselves that we no longer want to be, declaring war on our thoughts, declaring war on what we say, declaring war on the actions that we take. And today is week four, which we're going to talk about the power to win the war. Um, Larry Waters was someone who was familiar with the, the outdoor sports, especially in, in icy and frigid conditions. And because of that, he had a healthy fear of crossing a lake when it was frozen. And when he and his wife Chrissy arrived at the lake and they were going to drive across, because of his abundance of caution, he parked his truck, unloaded his ATV. Even though it would have been more comfortable to drive the truck across the lake, as many other people had done, he unloaded his ATV and him and his wife hopped on to head out to have a great day together. And as they were driving, he would follow the, the prints from the other trucks and cars that had driven across the lake safely before, knowing that he was on a safe path. And as they got about to the halfway point of crossing the frozen lake, he began to hear a crack. And as soon as he heard the crack in the ice, his ATV stopped, it dropped, it rolled, it sank. And before he had a moment to react, he found both himself and his wife in the frozen waters. In the moment of shock where the water was surrounding their body, flowing into their clothes, into their shoes... He began to do what any of us would do. He, he gripped at the side and his wife was gripping towards the side of the ice for their life, trying to climb up onto the side, as any of us would in a pool, trying to get your arm up and pull your body up. And this very simple thing where they knew exactly what they needed to do and how to do it, their hands just wouldn't do what their mind was telling their hands that they had to do. You have to grab on. You have to close. But because of the cold, they couldn't get out of the waters. There was no one in sight to help them, and they reached a point within their own minds where they realized this, this is it. Larry actually, he, he gave up from trying to get to the side, and he swam over to his wife, and he, he embraced her, and he kissed her, and he said, I love you, preparing for the worse. All the while, just feeling like, why can't my hands just do this very simple thing that I know that they, they should be able to do this? So many struggles that people walk through. It, it just, the, the answer, the solution, it just seems so, like just get yourself out of that hole. You're in depression, just, just be happier, just go have fun. Just get over it. Most of the, the things that really weigh on our shoulders, there's a solution that just appears so simple, but it's a fight that we just feel like we can't, can't win. The reality is that the, the biggest fights of our life, they're not usually against anything, any sort of spiritual opponent. They're not usually against any person. They're not even usually against a frozen lake. Our biggest fights of our life, they tend to be against ourselves. And scripture teaches that when the flesh it has temptation, it gives birth to sin and death in our life. Our, one of our biggest opponents that we will ever struggle against is our own desires and our, this battle, this self-destruction sequence that we slide into. And we, we identify that that is a struggle, that is the fight, and Scripture backs up and it reaffirms there's a battle within ourselves that we have to learn to fight and we have to win. 
And the Apostle Paul, through his writings in the New Testament, many times he compares this struggle and this fight that we go through in our life, it compares it to a war, to a fight. He tells us about, about tools of war that we have to put on. He, he tells us to be a soldier, to fight the good fight. And he uses these illustrations because that's what it feels like. And I know that many of us in here today, we're in the midst of a struggle. And I want to encourage you that God has given us the tools that we need to win this fight. But there has to be some choices, there has to be some willingness, there has to be some trust and faith involved so that we can step forward and win these battles. And we're going to open up our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4 today. And we're going to look at a few other passages, but our main text is from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 4. And we'll project them on the screen as I read them. And it says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. And when it says strongholds of human reasoning, other translations will say fleshly or foolish reasoning in this section. And as we look at this and we look at the, the fight that we're supposed to fight, this picture of, of using God's weapons, there's a lot within this to unpack. And just even the term stronghold is not, not a term that we use often. When scripture talks about strongholds, another way of saying that is a fortress. There, there are fortresses, there's things that are set up in our life that are, they, it feels protected and, it, and it's destructive and it's something in our life that we need to see torn down. And those can be addictions, they can, those can be behaviors or patterns of thought that, that have continued to push us in directions that we know we shouldn't be going. And I'm going to tell you that destructive, these destructive strongholds, they start as simple footholds. These things, that they become something that, that chains up our life and controls our life and pushes us in directions that we don't want to go. It, it never just it plops down that way, but it starts usually as just even a simple line of thinking. There, there's so many times where I've seen, you know, this pattern of thought begin where, where someone will say, you know, I know what I want right now. And God isn't giving me this right now. And so I'm going to go around his ways to try to get what I want. You know, right now, I know that God has some things to say about the type of relationship that I could be in, I should be in. But I want a relationship now, and God isn't providing that person, so I'm just going to go ahead and date this person who I know is wrong for me, but I'm going to jump into it because I want it now. And it's the simple little decision that leads down this path that takes you further and further away from God's plan for your life. I mean, it's not just relationships. It starts with all kinds of addictions. You know, if I don't do this with these people, I feel like I have to have these friends. And if I don't have them, and if I don't do what they do, then I'm, I'm going to be lonely. And I don't want to be lonely, even if God says, you know, sometimes we walk through these valleys and we walk through seasons where it's difficult and we have to walk alone. I'm going to stay with these people. I'm going to do this. And then we fall into an addiction that, that controls us and chains us up and pulls us away further and further from God. But those addictions, those strongholds, those relationships that we feel tied to, that we know are not honoring to God, it all starts with the simple belief that I should get what I want now. And even if I have to disregard God's instructions, I'm going to do that. And it starts with these simple beliefs, these simple footholds that the enemy wants to get in our life, these simple footholds that our fleshly desires want to get in our life, and it, and it leads us to this destructive place. And abandoning God's instructions, it always leads to self-destruction. When, we, when we abandon God's instructions, it always leads to self-destruction. God has given us his word for a reason and a purpose. And when we follow it, there are clear, clear things that will happen. And when we disobey it, we know the consequences that end up happening. 
And so, okay, there's these strongholds that we get into. There's these habits, these addictions that people get into. And whether we're in it or we have a friend who we know that this is in their life and we want to help them, you know, how do we help break these down? The passage actually says that, you know, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reason, to destroy false arguments, to, to destroy these things that are negative in our life. And so what, that's not very clear. So what are, if we actually dial back four chapters within 2 Corinthians in chapter 6, verse 7, Paul says, we use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. And he begins to paint this imagery of a shield and a sword. He makes it more clear in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, where he says, in addition to these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. In the left hand, he says, you know, the shield of faith. Our faith, as we, we talked about last week, it's not just something to appease God. You know, scripture says, have faith, have faith. Faith is for you. Faith is actually a protection for you. When these lines of thinking that are destructive come in to, in, into your head where you say, you know what, because of my past mistakes, I don't think I can be used by God. Because these things have happened, I don't think that I could ever, you know, serve. I don't think I could get involved. I don't think I could ever change because these past things that have happened. One of the things that should protect you should be your faith. And not, not just faith in yourself, but faith in who God is and what he has said about you. Because our faith, you know, in one hand is the defensive side, our faith. In the other hand is the, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And what we learn from the word of God is in Philippians, it says, he who began a good work in you is faithful to see it to completion. And when you hear these, these murmurings and these lies of, you know, you've always been this person, you've always been this way, you can't change. People know what you've done and, and you can't step forward in your faith because of it. When you hear these things that are talking about you, your faith isn't about you and your faith isn't in you. Your faith is in the son of God who died on the cross to pay for your sins, to give you new life, to give you healing from the things that have been in the past. Your faith is in him, and he began a good work in you, and that didn't depend on you. God grabbed a hold of your attention and drew you towards himself. And he said, I have a plan. I have a purpose. It's not about you. And so when these voices say, you know, you're not good enough, you can say, you know what, I'm not good enough, but he is good enough. And not only did he begin it, it says that he will see it through to completion. So it's not dependent upon your strength to see God's plan through to completion. And then later in Philippians, Paul's writing, and there's a very famous verse, and I, I don't mean to ruin this verse for you. You hear it quoted all the time, as I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But when you go to the surrounding context of that verse, he's talking about, you know, when I don't have food, whether I'm in want or whether I have plenty, I've learned that I can be content because of Christ. And he's writing about not having enough. And so really the best translation of that verse, I can do all things, is actually I can endure all things through Christ who is my strength. And so there's this issue of strength versus willingness. And we need to understand that our spiritual fight, the fight for our life, the fight for living for God, it's not a test of your strength. It's a test of your willingness. Am I willing to let God work in this area of my life? Am I willing to be known as a Christian? Am I willing... To, to let someone speak badly about me because I would rather honor God and walk in integrity and have someone mess with my reputation than fight and attack them back? Are you willing to let the strength of Christ be enough in your life? Be, because that's what happens when we show God, I, God I'm willing. I, I know that you'll, you'll provide the strength if I provide the willingness. And that's how we can endure anything. That's how we can see him complete this good work in us that he began. 
That's how we see these strongholds come down. The, the concept of faith as a shield. The more that your faith grows, the reason that it acts as a shield is because you become more and more certain of God's goodness and of his plan. When you have supreme confidence that God is gonna see me through these situations, you don't feel like I have to fight for myself anymore. You don't feel like I have to try to impress other people. I can walk in integrity and walk through this life trusting that God is gonna see to the results. And so my faith, it's something that protects me from any of these attacks, any of these worries, that God is gonna leave you, God is gonna forsake you. I know that that's rubbish because I know what the word of God says. And, the, and faith acts as a shield. And the more that we feed our faith, the more that we feel protected from those anxieties and those worries that creep in and turn us into that person that we don't want to be anymore. As our faith grows, it protects us from all of these things. And, and this is the thing that we need to do. When, when we have fears and, and it becomes fear or faith, we have to starve our fear and we have to feed our faith. This is the first, first point that I want you to take with, take with you this week. We have to starve your fear and we have to feed your faith. You know, when we give something attention in our life, it then has access to our heart and our mind. And the more that you give something attention, the more access it has to you. It works out kind of like this in my, my life. And you don't have to parent the way I do, but this is what works for me. I, I have four kids, um, a, ages 10, 8, 6, and 2. And when they want something, they make sure that I know that they want it. <laughs> because they ask over and over and over. And I know that I have the tendency that if I let them ask over and over and over and over and over, that eventually I will give in and I will cave. So, because of this access of continuing to ask, I, I, I determined long ago that when I answer a question once, I only need to answer it once. And so when they begin to ask me, I said, I've already answered that question. If you ask me again, there will be a consequence. And if you want to throw a fit about my answer, you can go do that in your bed. Because I'm not going to give you access to me in this area anymore. Because I've already made my decision. I know what's best for you. I'm a loving father. I know what you need and what you don't need. And so you don't need another helping of cotton candy. You can go fuss about that somewhere else. <laughs> All right? And, and you know, th this works good with kids but it also works really good with your fears. It also works really good with your anxiety. It also works really good with your stress. To say, I've already answered that. I already know the truth about that. I already know what the word of God says about that worry, about that stress, about that anxiety. And so that is not gonna happen because I know that God's word is true. I know that my heavenly father is good and that he gives me what I need in time. And so that does not have access to my mind anymore. And so we begin to fill our mind with something else. We, we begin to revoke the access that has to our heart and to our thinking. And, and so one of the things that we do, one of our responses that we can have to push that out is, is we can decide, okay, instead of letting this have access to my mind, I'm gonna speak the truth of the word of God, the verses that I've memorized. I'm gonna put on a worship song and I'm gonna sing the truth of the word of God. I'm gonna spend time in prayer and I'm gonna tell you that spiritually, when there's spiritual struggle and attack going on, when you feel pulled towards anxiety and worry and fear, when you respond with worship, that, that kind of attack is gonna change because that's the last thing that your enemy wants. That's the last thing that that fleshly desire that you have a fight with wants is to push you towards worship of your heavenly father. And so when you respond with worship, it pushes the access and it pushes that struggle away. We respond with worship as a tool to fight this war. The, the, the speaking of the word of God, the sword of the spirit is powerful in winning this fight. And I wanna tell you, there's, there's a connection, there's a correlation between worship and obedience. 
When we engage in worship of our Heavenly Father, it makes it easier to follow His instructions. It moves our heart and our affections towards Him, which helps control our actions. We know that when our affections and our emotions get involved, like that, that's like the whole part of the HALT acronym. We know we can make weird choices when we let our emotions get out of hand. You know, the hungry, angry, lonely, tired, that's when we tend to make bad decisions, when we let those emotions get out of hand. When we let our affections engage correctly in our Heavenly Father, it gives us the strength to make the right decisions. It gives us the strength to do things right. And so worship, it's this, this connection. So there's a connection between worship and obedience. And I'm gonna tell you, there's also a connection between obedience and blessing. When, when we walk in the ways of Christ, we see God's hand in beautiful ways. When, when, we, when we follow his teachings on generosity and we show generosity to other people, when we show forgiveness to other people, when, when we serve other people, we see results of blessings flow back into our life. But, but it starts in that smaller place of that moment where we're choosing fear or faith, when we respond with worship, and that helps guide us through. I'm gonna tell you, it guides you into obedience, and obedience guides you into blessing. And so we have to respond with faith. We have to respond with the word of God in the face of these struggles, in the face of stress, in the face of anxiety. And so we wanna worship him. And so this is the second point. Worship doesn't just win the war, Worship is the war. war. Worship doesn't just win the war. war. Worship is the war. And so one of my encouragements for you is, you know, if you were to take an audit of your time on a given week, and this isn't for the purpose of guilt, this is for the purpose of awareness, how much of your time is spent on the things of God? How much of your time are you using intentionally to honor him? Is it, lead, is, is it just stuck to Sunday morning? Is it limited to Sunday morning? Or have you realized that, you know, my time at work is my time of ministry. This is my opportunity to impact other people. My time at school, this is my time of ministry. My time where I'm driving to my place of work or where I'm driving where I'm going, this is a time where I can personally worship God and get my heart set because there's power. I'm gonna tell you, I've, I've seen this happen a couple different times and it's created tremendous results in people's lives where they say, you know what, for the next couple weeks, I'm gonna just fill my mind with the things of God because when I'm driving somewhere, I'm gonna listen to worship music. And, and I'm not gonna just listen to it, I'm gonna sing it back so that it's coming out of my mouth, coming out of my heart, and I'm gonna use that to tune my day to the way that it should be. And when I hear that on people, I'm like, man, you don't even know what's about to happen to your life. Like when you open yourself up to God that way, when you open say, you know what, I'm gonna use that time and I'm gonna engage in personal worship, not because it was at church and everyone else was worshiping, not because you know, someone dragged me there, but because I'm choosing with my heart, with my mind, with my voice to worship God, that begins to change things. I mean, I've seen people who, I mean, just literally, like his name's Ben Simmons. I'll throw you his name so that you know, like, this is not just made up. He was someone who struggled with his relationship with God, was getting into things he shouldn't have. And he decided to challenge himself for 30 days to just listen to worship music and to praise God with that time where he normally listened to music. And he went from someone who struggled to he is now serving overseas. And I mean, that's, that's a crazy example, but it was part of my life too. Like when I gave that part and said, you know what, I'm gonna try this and I'm just gonna listen to worship for a music, music for a while, that was one of the transformational points in my spiritual walk with God. And it's not anything magical about the music and it's not anything bad about regular music. It's not even that. It's that when your worship becomes part of your life, that you say in this, in this secret place where no one else knows and no one else really cares and it's just me and God and I'm gonna sing to him. And I'm gonna put my, I'm gonna, everything else is access is revoked right now. All I'm thinking about 
as God and his goodness and my opportunities that he's given me, the blessings he's poured into my life, that is powerful to change your heart, change your mind, and, and give you the power you need to face the challenges ahead of you. Worship is a huge, huge part of the war. And we can't have God's results without following these formulas that he set up for us. Faith is something that we have to understand. It has to grow. We have to starve out our fears. And, and then the word of God has to be something we understand and we apply to our situations. And then we do that. It empowers us to destroy these strongholds, destroy these false arguments that are part of our life. Because these false arguments that creep in and say, you know, you can't make a difference. God won't use you. God doesn't really have a plan for your future. These arguments that creep in, they, they don't just impact you, they impact other people because God desires to use you in the lives of those around you. He desires to use you in your family. He desires to use you in your workplace. He desires to use you in this community. There, there's an invention that you've probably never heard of be, because I don't think it ever really got marketed and it's called a Mr. Crunch. It's not a great name. I don't think many companies are going to buy on to Mr. Crunch. What, what happened is a, a man named Tim, he went on a trip to Europe with his wife after graduating college. And it was a great trip. They were going to just hitchhike around Europe. You know, that's obviously a great plan. Let's just go hitchhike across a foreign country. But while they were there, they found a car and they decided to buy a Fiat. It was 600 bucks. So, you know, they bought it, but it drove like a $600 car. And so like every other town, he's stopping and he's fixing this car. And while he's doing this, he's having to switch between his pocket knife that has a screwdriver in it and a pair of pliers trying to get this thing to work. And while he's doing that in his head, he's like, man, if I didn't have to keep switching devices, if I had one device that did both of these things, that would be great. And he took note of it and he said, when I get home, I'm going to try to design this. And, and his heart was really in, like he's like, I'm going to make this thing happen. And he started working on it. And for three years, he, does, he was trying to find a design, and he just couldn't make the device work right. And there's one specific night where, where he recounts uh, of going through this, and, and he felt like, like, like just giving up. And he was weeping in his brother-in-law's garage as he felt like a failure of, of making this device that he was so sure of. But even in that moment of that low place where he felt like, man, there's just no hope for this, he, he, didn't, he didn't give up. And, and after another year, he, he got a patent for his Mr. Crunch device. And so he had the patent, he had a working device, and surely everything was going to be happily ever after from here. Um, no. He, he spent the next five years pitching to over 500 companies trying to sell this device, and time after time he's, he was told, no one will buy this. This is foolishness, this is a waste of time. And time after time he got rejected. After eight years, he finally had one company say yes. It was Cabela's and they bought an order of 500 of his devices. But by this time, he, he decided that, you know, he wasn't going to call it Mr. Crunch anymore. He was going to name it after his last name. And it was called the Leatherman Tool. Some of you guys probably have a Leatherman on your hip. And it's now a company that has 40 employees. And, and they've sold millions of dollars of worth of devices. And it was one of these things where he knew this is, he, he believed in this. This should happen. This was his life. And his first sale was $12,000, which isn't a great return for eight years of work. But he believed in it and he sought after it. Going back to the story of Tim and Chrissy, after, um, after he said goodbye to Larry and Chrissy, after he said goodbye to his wife, his hand brushed against his right hip, and he realized he had his Leatherman on. In this moment where he felt defeated, he, he forgot that he had a tool that was so close to him that could potentially change this situation. And though his 
fingers from the ice were, were numb and lacking feeling, he took the Leatherman out and he opened and pulled out the pliers and he used it to stab the ice next to him. And the Leatherman stuck in the ice. He pulled himself out, reached back, turned, pulled his wife out, and they made their way back across the lake. And it was a moment where they were sure, you know, it was over. He, he felt a little foolish forgetting that he had that and he struggled for so long that the tool was right there. And I'll tell you, Tim, Tim never imagined. Band, if you guys would make your way back up, I'm going to begin to wrap this up. Tim never imagined when he was struggling with this device and, and it was Mr. Crunch and nobody wanted it and it wasn't working, but he knew this was something that he should do. He never imagined that this device would actually save someone's life one day. But he didn't give up, and he did what he was supposed to do, and he had no clue of the impact that this would have on other people. And then going back to, to Larry and Chrissy in there, they had something that someone else worked on, and, and they never planned that you know, this would save their life, but it was right there. It was so close to them. The thing that they needed was so close to them, but he had ignored it and forgotten that it was there until he, he just felt it with his hand, and, and he grabbed the tool that was accessible the whole time. And it saved them from the situation. So many of us, we've been struggling with something, but we've been keeping God out of the equation. We've been trying, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win this with, you know, the way that other people win it. I'm just going to, I'm going to pull myself up by the bootstraps. I'm going to figure it out on my own. God has given you tools to win this fight. He gives us the strength to win this fight when we give him the willingness, when we say, God, I need you. God, I need your strength. God, I need your provision. I'm willing to surrender and give this struggle to you. Would you please give me the strength that I need? Because the reality is we walk through dark and difficult places as we navigate our life and we reach these, these points where sometimes expressing our faith and living our faith, it becomes a challenge. And I, I wanna end just kind of on this note, on this thought. The word, the word hallelujah. It's an expression that, that is, it's a churchy expression. We've heard it, we, but we may not be able to define it. It simply means praise the Lord. But it's an exclamation. It's a response. It's like when you see God's goodness, despite the situation, despite anything else, when you see his goodness and you respond to him and you say, praise the Lord, hallelujah. This is how I feel. I trust you. Despite the situation, despite anything going on, I choose to say hallelujah. I choose to say, I see your goodness. I choose to say, I know that your hand is right here and, it, and it's at work. So church, maybe situations have been holding you back from just saying, God, I see you. God, I want you. God, hallelujah. Pray, praise you, Heavenly Father. 
but I believe that you can reach a point right now where you realize worshiping God is not just a response to the situation is good, but worshiping God is actually a response to say this situation isn't what it's going to be, and so I'm going to choose to worship him with my heart. I'm going to choose to worship him with my mind. I'm going to choose to worship him with my lips. I will declare hallelujah from the midst of the broken place because I know God has done enough. He has paid for my sins on the cross. He has provided everything that I need for this life and for afterlife. And so I trust him in this moment, through the difficult time. So I'll choose to say hallelujah. So church, wherever you've been, I want you to know that you're not alone. If it's been a struggle, you're not alone. We all have this fight. So let's walk through it together. You're not the only one trying to win this war within. But when you win your war, God is going to use you to help someone else in their fight. But will you choose to sing the hallelujah from the difficult place? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have given us everything that we need to win this fight. You've given us the shield of faith. You've given us the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And you've given us the strength to endure any difficult time we walk through. So for those, uh, those in the congregation who are walking through a difficult time, we just pray for your encouragement in their heart and their mind right now. Help them to sing their love and their affection to you from this broken place. And as they do that, would your blessings move through their life? Would your provision move through their life? God, we trust you in all things and we give you our heart today. In Jesus' name.